Voice of America, Washington, D.C., signing on. Twenty one hundred Eastern Time. You know what that means? The virtual Green Dragon Tavern on the air is live, lit, and ready to get rowdy. And uh, man, oh man, do we have some interesting things to talk about tonight? Of course, the uh, title of the show, the 78th episode now of Radio Contra Sons of Liberty Live is the main manhunt mania edition because this has dominated the uh, the news cycle and uh, dominated a lot of, of what I have heard today. Unfortunately, I spent a lot of time in the truck today. Um, Man, I have uh, I've had a day and uh, it's it's it, it is what it is. It's one of those days that you kind of uh, just throw your hands up to the sky and say it is what it is um, and and uh, chalk it up to, you know, you, you win some, you lose some. And today is one of those days where you just lose some things. And, and you know, and, and, and uh, I've had some of those days in my life where you know you just you just learn to process stuff and uh, you learn to process loss and you learn how to once more you revisit things uh tough periods and you just say you know i was prepared for today through everything else and uh, it is what it is right but unfortunately I, I was listening to all the things that dominate the news cycle. And, you know, I listen to conservative talk media, the, the uh, neo-conservative talk media uh, that is out there. Of course, your Hannity's of the world, uh, so on and so forth. Your uh, uh, the, the Clay and Buck show that is the, uh, the replacement for uh, the legendary Rush Limbaugh on the air and uh, i was listening to them part of the day uh while i was uh, I, I was going to and from some of the stuff that i had to get done and i'm telling you what was crazy is i really think they listened to this podcast i do it, it, at least uh uh buck sexton the, the cia guy i think that he listens to this podcast uh because his opening his opening and i'm sitting in the truck and i Man, I, I really, it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, this, it's like the Leonardo DiCaprio 
uh, meme from uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where he's he's all of a sudden he's holding his beard and all of a sudden he points at the TV like, oh, I've seen this before. Uh, it, it, it was it was literally that. He said, oh, well, you know, uh, low tech beats high tech all the time and 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 that is you know that that's just what we're learning you know so so buck sexton former quote-unquote cia guy right he was, he was an analyst cia analyst like it's always funny intel analysts make you want to believe that, that you know they're out in in the world getting their hands dirty and all this nonsense it's like no you sit behind the computer uh but it, anyway it, it no slight to the Intel analyst guys uh, that are out there. They have a job to do, but they, they're certainly not the cloak and dagger types. Uh, but anyway, it, it doesn't matter. He is where he is. You know, we are where we are. And HP 11 in the comments saying Clay, Clay and Buck are unbearable. They, they are. Uh, they absolutely are unbearable. However, uh, it was what was in the background because I do like to hear what, what the Mockingbird talking points are going to be. I do want to know what they have to say. And, uh, you know, but anyway, he's he's talking about Hamas and, and the uh, the things that, that Hamas have, have pulled off um, and how they pulled it off. And they're just now getting into that. And of course, it was a, a, a New York Post story that was published talking about how um, Hamas had an underground... Uh, line to line, peer to peer telephone network that they were using for information sharing that was uh, unmonitorable. And so they're using what we used to call POTS telephones uh, or, or plain old telephone service. And they're using basically field phones at that point. So for anybody that's that's ever run field phones and, and understands how they work, that's essentially what they were doing. And so they went off grid. And I was talking about this um, a, a couple of podcasts back where I was talking about the, the human intelligence failures and how difficult it is to penetrate a network like that. Um, and, and not necessarily because I, I have any specific details uh, of it, but this is how it works. I, I know how these things work. I know that just from uh, life experience and my experience overseas uh, altogether. This is exactly how they, they that they would do that. This is how uh, organizations have done these things in the past. This is how they're going to continue to do it. Uh, but I'm telling you, it, it was just really weird to hear these guys who are nationally syndicated and they're all of a sudden talking about the, the, I mean, almost verbatim talking points that we talked about, that I talked about, that some of our guests have talked about, some of the guys that we're going to have in here tonight have talked about, because we lived it. You know, we lived this and we're telling you these are the things Okay, th this is what's happening. And, and so I say all that to say this. You know, somebody a little bit further up in the group chat in here said, you know, all, all smart folks are listening to Sons of Liberty. Absolutely. And and we are, are very far ahead of the curve. Um, you know, the Cassandra complex is real. That's a real thing. And uh, as unfortunate and tragic as though it can be at times, um, 
all of you in here, because you're listening to the show, you have the foresight to know that this is, you know, this is what you need to be listening to. You were pointed in this direction for one reason or another. And, um, you know, it is what it is. All right. I, I, I find myself saying that a little bit too much, a little bit more than I want to be saying that today. But, uh, again, it is one of those days and, uh, you know, it, it, but that's all right. We're in here. And that is why that is why the good Lord invented, uh, bequeathed upon us the, the ability to invent alcohol and make alcohol for ourselves because that is our, our coping mechanism. I know that, uh, with the, the, the quote unquote main manhunt mania going on, there's a lot of consternation about this. Take the guns away. Like there is every time that something like this happens and they, uh, you know, we're going to dive into some of the, the, um, the details of this quote unquote shooter, this, uh, suspected shooter, um, you know, and, and without getting into the tinfoil hat, no, I'm slow, slow grinning here without getting into the tinfoil hat stuff. Um, but we're going to dive into some of that tonight. I, I just feel it coming on, but, uh, they, they, they never, the anti-gunners never want to talk about the rates of SSRIs, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, and the, the positive correlation between it and the suicide rate, the positive correlation between its proliferation and the increase in mass shooting. They, they don't want to talk about this. Uh, but very interestingly enough, there has been studies that were conducted in China, of all places, on SSRIs, on the populace, and the suicide rate, which uh, shows a positive correlation. And uh, I think that that's very interesting, and it is an indicator, uh, because here in the United States, there's too much money to be made off of SSRIs and prescription SSRIs and behavioral modification drugs and so on and so forth, that we will not investigate or study further what some of those uh, secondary tertiary factors may be and the, the positive correlation between that and the proliferation of firearms. Uh, so, you know, and, and Durkheim, Durkheim was studying this way, way back in the day. One of the fathers of sociology was studying this uh, with his seminal work aptly titled Suicide. And so, uh, you know, in every one of these, I like to give folks something, you know, like a jumping off point for the, uh, the intellectuals of the audience to go and, and listen. And uh, that is certainly one of them. Look up Durkheim, Emil Durkheim. And look up suicide. Uh, that is uh, his work on that. And you're going to see some interesting things. I think that it'll be pretty eye-opening. Uh, but anyhow, with that said, coming up on the 10-minute mark, I have talked for 10 minutes straight, and it feels like it's went by in about five seconds. That is absolutely insane. First in the shoot in here tonight, a brand new guest to the virtual Green Dragon Tavern on the air, and a man that all of you have heard, uh, somebody that I got the best feedback ever 
the best feedback ever on Radio Contra and certainly the most uh, thought-provoking feedback that I got as well. Mr. E.M. Burlingame. Are you in here, brother? Uh, warm up. Are you in here? You're in here. I see you. Little bit of a learning curve to the pod being live. Little bit of a learning curve. Little bit of learning. That's all right. That's all right. Moving down the list. Johnny Paratrooper. Hey, buddy. What's up, bro? Not much, man. Ah, getting uh, a little drunk. I had off today. Um, oh, man, big world. I demoed two full bathrooms. I'm talking cutting the tubs out and the showers. And I mean, they're like, I'm almost fully surface prepped. And then I need to start building it back up, man. I, I got to run some, I got to run some water line and piping and, and, and stuff. But yeah, it's coming along, buddy. Uh, excited, man. What a world, huh? What so much has happened in a week, man. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, I think Israel's getting ready to go in probably tomorrow night, if I had to guess. Yeah. Um, I, I think it'll they, be nods down this weekend. They, yeah, they might do it tomorrow night. They might do it Saturday night. Yeah, well, Saturday was the attack, so that, yeah. that would make more sense. I'm, I'm kind of thinking they're going to do it Saturday night. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you know they, they go in the stroke of midnight tonight. Uh, well, they woke up Saturday morning under attack. So I'm thinking if they go in Friday, everyone would wake up Saturday morning, you know, and and the whole world would wake up and see it. That's kind of what I was thinking. But we'll see, man. We'll see. It's uh, it's going to be something, man. It's going to be something. Um, I, I have a feeling they're – the IDF might take like 10 to 20 casualties a day easily. I think that would be, yeah, I, I think it's going to be more than that, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They're saying it, it's, it's going to be gonna two be, or three months. They're saying two or three months. It's going to be Fallujah on steroids. Yeah. Yeah. You, you think they'll have like Micklicks clearing roads and stuff? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, without a doubt, dude. Without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, it, there's a lot, man. Anybody that know what a Miklik is, um, a Miklik yes. is essentially an Abrams that has a, uh, a, a projectile launcher on it that, that doesn't fire a warhead off. It fires a, a string of charges. And it, it detonates uh, stuff along a route. It's a line so clearing it, charge. Yeah. Yeah. It's a giant it's, line throwing gun that shoots yeah. line charges. And it can clear like 500 yards a shot or something. It's wild. Yeah. We used them. Uh, well, you, you can look the videos up of them. Uh, we used them last in, uh, Marja, 
the the Marine Corps was using them in in uh, Northern Helmand Province to clear IED lanes. So Marja and uh, Marijuana and and which is just over in Kandahar Province, like that whole area up there. That that's Mullah Omar's uh, ancestral homeland, and um, pretty pretty shitty place, by the way. Um, been up there. <laughs> unfortunately operated up there a time or two and uh it's a shitty fucking place man but um it's a good place to get killed i'll just put it like that you know it, it, it's is that anyway, like the it, wild wild west of afghanistan or something dude it, it, it's more like what Appalachistan is gonna look like for you know any prospective invaders man that's that's what it's gonna look like it's just bad news. It's bad news. It, it, that, that place is just bad news, man. They hated everybody who was an outsider. And that was just that. So, yeah. Yeah, man. <clears throat> well, we got uh, we got everybody kind of flowing in here. Looks like we got a, a Joe Dolio. Looks <laughs> like we got another a P-Man. Yeah. Oh, oh, we, oh, we here, baby. We here. <laughs> Looks like we have Mr. Burlingame back in here. Where is Mr. Burlingame? Dolio, your mic's on. Maybe his mic's not working right now. I don't know. Hey, hey brother, your your microphone is low. Like your volume is super, super low. Yeah, I can't even hear him. I I see you. You're just uh, your volume is is super super low. No. Hmm. Yeah, Scout. If he's talking, I I can't hear him talking at all. He he's deep deep in the weeds. It's just it, it's it's one of those things, man. Podbean. Is, yeah, Podbean is yeah. Yeah, I know. All right, hey brother, we're we're gonna we're gonna move down the line real quick. Mr. Dolio. Man the myth, the legend. What is happening today, my friend? How you doing? Hey, you know what? I'm all right. I'm over it. Uh, you know when you when you give people rides places they should probably remember that that you're waiting on them and they shouldn't just lollygag that's all especially when you gave them a ride across multiple states to attend an event so sounds like fun well I, I hear I hear that you're in the current murder capital of North Carolina that's what I hear. Well, I That's didn't know that was the case when I arrived, but I am in the great state of North Carolina within striking distance, some might say. Ugh. Yeah, you didn't, but no, seriously, where you are, that is the current, the current murder capital of North Carolina. Awesome, because I left the keys of my vehicle with the guys who were lollygagging and walked through the woods back to my hotel, so whatever. 
Bring it on, people. Bring it on. Well, it, it, you know, it, it's a wonderful attribute of of multiculturalism. It, it, it's just, I mean, you know, diversity is our strength. And obviously, uh, the town that you are in right now is very, very strong because, you know, it, it, it's, it's just a wonderful. It's, it's rather diverse. Is that what you're telling me? That's what it's, it's, you got to be. Nah, well, okay. I put it in chat. No, let's just not. Let's just not. It's, it's, I think I'm gonna be it's okay. <laughs> location. Yeah, you. I mean, yeah, you're from Michigan. You, you know, you'll be all right. I got. This I got a couple tip for armory knives right here in the room. I'll be fine. See, there you go. There you go. The wonderful, the the inimitable Kyle Tepfer has has bequeathed upon you uh, some of his wonderful, wonderful blades. Of course, you can find some of his blades over at BrushBeater.store. So his his awesome axes and, um, you know, everybody goes gaga over the Winkler axes because, you know, you saw it in a TV show or uh, whatever, what Amazon show. What was that stupid show with Chris Pratt? The Terminal List. Right? Was that what it was? What was that? Was it on Netflix? Was it on Amazon? What is it? I didn't that, that was Amazon. That was Amazon Prime, I believe. Oh, God. It's garbage. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah. It, anyway, everybody gives Gaga over, you know, Winkler axes and stuff. Kyle Tepfer um, is is the man, the myth, the legend um, that probably a lot of you haven't heard of, but um, he is kind of the unsung hero behind the Winkler axes and and the development of the Wink- the original, which was the Winkler crash axe. And um, you know, I I'm, was very fortunate enough in life to have him as a student in class uh, for a few classes and we've developed a, a very good friendship and uh, he is split off from uh, Winkler knives to doing his own thing in Boone, North Carolina. And so every ax that you get from him, every blade that you get from him is a hundred percent handcrafted in Boone, North Carolina um, to his extremely high standards uh, so, you know, and, and I'm very, very proud to be offering his blades that he is doing small production runs on, um, his axes, which are extremely sought after. Uh, I've just got a few left and, uh, we did a run of 10 each and I just have a few of them left, um, in, in both. The spike and, 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 and I want to say on that, on that topic, I mean, I have one of his knives. It's it's not one of the knives that that is sold. It's, it's one of his older knives that he, I was blessed enough that he that he sold to me. And the quality and craftsmanship on on I got to handle the axe and the knife last time I was at the G Camp. And man, these are these are really really special and they're sharp as all hell. I mean, I literally just was just kind of tapped the point of the axe just to see like kind of feel for it. And I got a nice little paper cut on me. I mean, they are sharp, and and when you feel them, the balance is fantastic. So, I definitely would take a look at them. Um, they're, they're they're they're. I'm not a big I'm not a big knife guy. I'll put that out front, not knowing a lot, but it is the most comfortable axe and knife set that I've felt in my hand ever. 
for what's that, whatever that's worth. That's what I tell you. I've got a full set of three uh, Japanese blades for him. He kind of he kind of guided me to a whole set. Uh, they all look alike and everything. It's just a fantastic, fantastic piece of work. So good kid. Yeah. Dude has forgotten more about blades than I'll ever know. And and I'm kind of knowledgeable about this stuff. We we were having a real in-depth conversation, you know, when I found out who he was and you know who who he'd apprenticed under. All of a sudden, I start geeking out, and I'm like, "Holy shit!" You know, and we start talking blades and and uh, knife steel and preferences about different types of edges, and just really, um, really going deep into the weeds on it and uh, seeing some of his work. It, I'm going to tell you, it, it's just a real blessing. It's uh, these are one of a kind items. He's doing everything for me in, in very small production runs. Um, we've got daggers that are coming out too and uh they're in production right now so the brush beater bolo which is a a large camp blade um i designed that one he made 10 of them for me i have the prototype um he is wrapping up the uh uh sheaths on those right now they're gonna have cadex sheaths and uh, he is finishing those up and they're gonna be hitting the store uh, probably mid November. So that, you know, that, that's definitely something you want to, uh, keep a lookout for. And Winkler, by the way, doesn't do camp blades anymore. Uh, so anything larger than the Winkler, uh, camp knife, they don't, or, or uh, the Winkler camp knife is no longer in production. Anything larger than the uh, Winkler field knife, rather. That, that's what I'm meaning to say, uh, which is five and a half inch blade. They don't do anything bigger than that anymore, other than their axis, because of, of the demand. But um, if you want that style of blade, if you want that attention to detail, um, and you want that, that high standard of quality, of a single bladesmith from tip to tail who has paid attention to every detail about that blade during its construction and including the sheath on it. Um, you know, Tepfer Armory is the guy. Okay, Kyle Tepfer is the guy, the 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 man when it comes to all of that. And um, you know, and 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 being able to get a large knife like this one that is coming out uh into production and at a price point that i feel like is reasonable and um you know it is certainly isn't going to break the bank now I, I will say this too uh and and normally i kind of just um you know let a lot of stuff ride but but i will say this man you know if you're one of those people that's like, and, and when I put those axes up, I, I caught a little bit of uh, uh, some of the flack that was out there. People were like, oh, you know, why is it so expensive? Look, you know, either you get it or you don't. Um, these aren't production, you know, mass produced, uh, 50 of them in a tray to, to be mass heat treated uh, kind of blades. All right, these these are made one at a time. So either you want to pay for craftsmanship and the quality that goes into that, or you don't. Okay, it it, it, it there is there is no if ands or buts. You're either gonna you, and and look. Here's the thing too. There's a reason that I only have 
uh, 10 of each of these at a time that are being made because they're, I mean, I'm not a snob. I'm not an elitist when it comes to, to people's gear. This is one of those things that either you get it and you'll pay for quality or you won't. And that, that just is what it is. All right. Um, you know, for some people that that's, they, they don't need that. And, and I totally get it. All right. But what I will say though, is don't knock the people who are offering that level of quality and who do appreciate that level of quality in blades. There's certain pieces of gear where you can, um, maybe overlook some things, right? There's, there's certain pieces of gear that are functional for the price. Um, there's certain pieces of gear that, you know, are, are probably well overpriced for what they are, but knife steel and blades are certainly not one of them. Okay. That is, and, and if you ask anybody in our community about knives and, and, you know, what they're going to depend on, they're going to tell you that, that custom blades, that a custom made knife that is from quality steel that, you know, you can go and you talk to the bladesmith and there's certain attributes that we look for, right? That's, that's all going to be justified right across the board. You're going to be, you know, well, well justified in that. Uh, so yeah, it, you know, and, and I would say that, um, for the axes in particular, the price on those is when, when you talk about, uh, having a, a 12 inch handle on them and, uh, you know, the, the level of care and craftsmanship that goes into making them and the difficulty, uh, that it is to make a tool like that for everything that it needs to, to do you're definitely getting what you pay for. I mean, and, and I know that, that, uh, over on social media, one of the people was saying, you know, you know, I, I can do the same thing with a, a $30 S wing. Well, maybe you can, but that thing is, is made out of who knows what, um, you, you don't know what kind of steel they made that out of. Now it may work just fine for you. And, and all right, cool. If it does, it does, man. It, you know, nobody's knocking you for that. Um, you know, I carried around a, a SOG Tomahawk to put, you know, uh, uh, peepholes in walls with, you know, and, and to do little small, uh, tasks with the, the picky end of it. Right. I didn't really carry it around. Cause like, Oh, we'll use Tomahawk. Like, no, it, it's actually a useful tool. Right. And, and it worked fine for that. Uh, now given the choice, would I, I carry something better? Hell yeah, I would. Um, you know, it, it, every, every day of the week. So anyway, it, I'm, I'm going along there on that. I'm just saying, and, and I'm not trying to sell nobody on nothing. I'm just telling you that, that this is the methodology. This is the reason why. Um, there's certain pieces of gear that, you know, hey, man, you, you can you cannot spend a fortune and get a hell of a lot. And then there's other things that, yeah, I'm, I'm going to spend a little bit more. And, and because I know that, you know, uh, when it comes to steel, that's something that, that you know, you it, it's just like with my firearms, I you know, my optics. I, I need to have, there, there's certain standards I need to be able to meet in there. Uh, so, you know, and, and anyhow. Uh, so it, I, I'm going along with all that, but... Um, 
anyway, normally I don't answer the critics. I, I don't waste a whole hell of a lot of time on them because, you know, it's just people talking and is this, that's what they going to do, right? That is what they're going to do. But those of you who get it, those of you who get it, certainly get it. Um, you know, anyway, anyway, let's, uh, circle back. EM brother, are, are you, can we hear you? Negative. Negative. Still down in the weeds. Um, there is a microphone volume bar on your mobile device. And you should be able to turn that up. That was the first time I heard something. Yeah, you were getting you were getting a little bit louder. Hey, you're still down in the weeds, brother. Is he yeah, connected you're, to you're, a Bluetooth getting... that's across the room or something? No, it's a Bluetooth. That's the first time I you're, heard his voice. It's like you're getting. Yeah, you're you're getting a little bit louder. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. I'd restart his phone. I've restarted my phone twice. Oh well, there yeah. you go. <laughs> maybe maybe <sighs> jiggle the cord a little bit. I don't. Know. What uh? What microphone? Are you using a microphone? That, okay, that's the one I use. That's why I was asking. So. Did he give Podbean access to his microphone? <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help. Still trying. Nothing? This must be what it's like when y'all are trying to talk to me when I'm on my phone. It it actually was. Yeah. yeah. I, I, in fact, you were a little bit louder, Dolio, than, than EM is. But only a little bit. Yeah, only a little bit. All right, brother. I'm drinking Killian's in case anybody was wondering. Killian's. Oh, I got some. I got some Quiet Man right now. Ooh, Quiet Man's good. Killian. They still make Killian's. Yeah. What? I got Propel Fitness Water. I don't know why. What the? It, it says the product of USA. You? Why, are you, why are you not <laughs> drinking alcohol? You, I'm in a hotel at a church conference. I don't, I don't think there's a lot of alcohol flowing tonight. You're in North Carolina. That's called, that's called poor planning. All, all of the church conferences in North Carolina, they drink in the closet, so it's, it's all good. Unless you're at a Methodist. Well, you may have missed the part where I walked back because somebody else had my vehicle because they were inconsiderate. But 
you know, my alcohol might. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, unless you're at a, a Methodist church conference, which the Methodist Mecca is, is Duke University, the divinity school. Uh, if, if you're there, then, then, you know, they, they <laughs> drinking alcohol is the least of your work. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they, they'll, they'll have a trans rally or something. Uh, who knows? Um, you know, they, they, the Methodists have lost their minds, uh, collectively. Of course, the Presbyterians have too. And, and of course the, the Lutherans aren't too far behind them and, you know, we we uh, Episcopals are now called the Anglicans, and uh, well, those of us who have any sense, it's just it's, it's just bad times all around, man. It's just bad times all around. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, anyway, I had I had a a very dear friend of mine who is a, uh, a pastor. He's a Baptist minister. And um, he, he is a, a wonderful, wonderful man. Um, love him and, and uh, did a, a class for him and his folks and uh, had had an incredibly good time down there. And that was many years ago now um, uh, down in Georgia. And I've talked to him a few times since then. And, um, you know, he, he is, is a he's the living embodiment of of the shepherd of the flock literally he he is the living embodiment of that and and it's uh, it was a big honor uh to be able to to break bread with him and and uh, his congregation and uh train them but anyway he, he made a a really funny joke while i was down there and i, I loved it so uh, you, you know the difference between a a uh a presbyterian and a, a baptist and i said no what he said well the Presbyterian will talk to you in the liquor store. That's pretty awesome. That yeah, that, that's, that's some of that good Southern humor, you know. The, 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 uh, which I guess it applies to, to Pennsylvania too, man. PA's got some weird alcohol laws up there. You know, you can't can't buy uh, more than a six pack. Yeah, you, if, you, if you get more than two six packs at a, at a grocery store, you got to buy those two, walk out, bring them to your car, come back in, buy two more. But if you want to get a 30 pack, you got to go to a beer distribution center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's not fun. It's weird, man. It's weird. It's those, those Puritan, those old school Puritan laws, man. Puritans and the Quakers. Right, we, we, we still got blue laws in, in Jersey. We still got blue laws on Sunday up in North Jersey of all places. And uh, every, basically everything shut down. So in North Carolina, you can buy beer on Sunday after 12. And the reason for that is NASCAR. That's why. Because you can't watch racing if you're not drinking. I mean, that's just a thing. It's an unwritten rule. <laughs> if you if, if and racing used to be the national sport of the South, like it, you know, this is just what we all watch. That pro wrestling, um, you know, those those two things. And sadly, neither one of those are really worth watching anymore. So, is what it is. 
I say it yet again. It is what it is, boys. It is what it is. Anyway, um, <clears throat> getting down to business here, this main manhunt, the main manhunt mania uh, going on. Of course, uh, unless you've been living under a rock, you know that. I think they should uh, look at their local been... FBI field office because they'll probably. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get there, good sir. We will get there. Uh, but um, heavily armed police are surrounding the home in the search for the suspect in the fatal shooting of 18 in Maine. Now, look, on this show, it, not diminishing what's going on here. All right, this is tragic. Um, every one of these is tragic. However, however. Okay, there is some things that that I think bear saying because this is the elephant in the room. <clears throat> These are the things that people all are thinking in the back of your mind. And if you're not thinking it, well, then you just ain't paying attention. Um, we got a new Speaker of the House yesterday. Okay, today's Thursday. Yes, as of this recording, yesterday was Wednesday. We got a new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. Okay, Mike Johnson is uh, doesn't seem like he is a swamp creature. Um, now I know that that you know he's made some statements about uh, Ukraine today that that are kind of disappointing, and I'm sure that some concessions were made behind closed doors. Okay, that that's just Washington D.C. Um, it's unsalvageable. It is corrupt to the core and there's no use in my mind in wasting our time talking about it, uh, trying to, to fix what he is because it is. However, uh, with that said, I think that it is highly suspect and awfully convenient that just in the past 24 hours, we've had a new speaker of the house who has made his political career on trolling the likes of Nancy Pelosi, uh, Gavin Newsom, his left-wing counterparts. Uh, he has embraced Twitter wholesale um, and, and has been trolling his left-wing counterparts on Twitter for some time now. And that's well-documented. Okay, that, that, is, that is very well-documented. So we get him in as a speaker after a long contentious battle between the Rhino Republicans, the establishment Republicans, the neoconservatives, neocons, to the uh, Make America Great Again paleoconservative wing of the party, the populist wing of the party that is really taking hold. Uh, we had a, a long contentious fight getting there. And then they find Mike Johnson and everybody rallies behind him and they usher him in. Um, in, in less than 18 hours, by the way, which is, is seems a little strange. But be that as it may, he is in now. We do have a Speaker of the House and, uh, you know, we'll see what good comes of it. Anything's better than McCarthy, okay? Um, we get him in. And I think that it's very strange that the vice president and the president are both mentioning gun control at a time when we are just over two weeks out from 
or all, almost two days shy of three weeks out from the uh, the the horrific attacks in Israel that are, if for anything else, a confirmation of why we have a Second Amendment and a a very visible, uh, vigilant populace who is armed and prepared. You know, there's a reason that the Israelis are uh, making emergency motions to relinquish their gun laws that they have, which are, are very shockingly restrictive. But they're doing that. And so here in the United States, all of a sudden, they're putting out memos, by the way. DHS put out memos saying that Hamas and Hezbollah are absolutely planning these types of attacks on our soil. Now, you don't have to be a weatherman to tell that it's raining outside. This is fixing to happen here. We've been talking about this for years. Okay, this it's not just possible. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when it is going to happen. It's also worth pointing out that yesterday in Los Angeles, yesterday just before this main news broke in Los Angeles, a Jewish family was held hostage in their homes by a Free Gaza, quote-unquote, activist in Los Angeles. I saw this on the news in passing just as I was scrolling through some things and said, oh, holy hell. You know, this and, and in Los Angeles, this is Charles Manson level stuff that is going on. We've got free Gaza protests everywhere that is going on. Pro-Palestinian stuff. Now, again, as I've pointed out in the past, it doesn't matter how you feel about the politics of the situation. What matters is, is that you, 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 listener to this program, are a group target. And the militant left, despite how you feel about one thing or another, has embraced this fully. That's the critical takeaway here. Okay? That is the critical takeaway here. And so with all of this unfolding, and a new Speaker of the House that represents the the right-wing conservative populist base, all of a sudden on a Wednesday night, which is historically the most quiet night of the week, Nothing usually ever happens on a Wednesday. It's the middle of the week. We have a shooting where a guy just opens fire in a bowling alley of all places. Begins his uh, mass shooting. Bowling alley, then he's going to Walmart. And he is still on the run uh, as of the beginning of this podcast. He's still on the run. Now, he was in the Army Reserve. He was a fueler. And uh, they're saying, according to reports from the Associated Press, that he is a Sergeant First Class. Uh, But he's a fueler. Okay, so not denigrating any fuelers out there, uh, the gas truck drivers, but uh, just saying... They're not exactly the epitome of combat prowess. Okay, just point that out. 
Wait, not seriously? Anybody. Their job is to feel, oh, I know, I know. We're going to get into it. But they, they're also throwing out there that he's a firearms trainer. Okay, so he's checking all the boxes according to the media. And, of course, the media is running with it because they're going to be looking through all of the open source things they can dig on this guy. His enlisted record brief, his DD-214, which he's going to have in the reserve, because uh, I know that reservists get a DD-214 when they leave an active duty training school. They go to their reserve unit. So he's he's they, they're picking through all of the things that are on there looking for buzzwords. Um Firearms trainer in the U.S. Army is not one of them, though. That is not something that is going to be uh, on his ERB. That that is not a thing. You're you're not a firearms trainer, okay? His unit might have said that he is tasked with uh, teaching basic marksmanship uh, as as one of his NCO duties. Okay, that might be a thing. I'm not on the up and up on Pogue units, so I can't say. Uh, but that might be a thing. All right. And I don't say Pogue derogatorily. It's just that's a slang term coming from combat arms as, uh, you know, a, a, a soft skill MOS, one of the support units. All right. Uh, some people take that the wrong way. It's, a, it's not a derogatory term. It just is what it is. If you don't like it, well, whatever. You know yep. what you're getting when you listen to this podcast is salty. I don't give a fuck. All right. So if you don't like it, you don't like it. Whatever. Quit listening to it. I don't give a shit. Um, anyway, whatever it is what it is. But th this guy, <laughs> one dude, man. There it is. I said it again, man. It needs to be a drinking game. Every, every time Matt says it is what it is, take a drink. So anyway, um, this guy, uh, Robert Card. Robert Card. Um, so sergeant card, sergeant first class card, uh, forty year old reservist with a history of mental health issues. Okay, so he's got he's got a history of mental health issues. Uh, why does he get a firearm? Um, fairly certain on a forty four seventy three. If you've ever been involuntarily committed, and he's got a history of this that you can't own a firearm lawfully. Yeah, like, by the way, he was hospitalized because he said he was going to shoot up his reserve unit. I'm pretty sure someone would have yeah. taken his guns if that if that happened. Yeah. yeah even just even in, absent a red flag law in the state of Maine, you would think Army Command would have been like, nah, this is going away. Like, like this is this is happening. Knowing the army, I I wouldn't. Nah, I wouldn't. I, I eh. you especially the army reserve. Nah. That's it. It's 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 more likely that that you know law enforcement would have showed up and been like, "Hey, buddy, you know we're we're confiscating your stuff." I've known people to get their stuff confiscated for way less than this. Um, so. Dude, don't nothing about this story holds water. Um, I don't know. I, I, 
I'm not going to. Well, we're already on the topic. Hell, why not? Um, I personally, personally, this is, and, and I've seen this bantered about a lot in passing today. I haven't had a, a lot to, to uh, a lot of time today to dive into um, these things. But, uh, dude, it just, it, it seems awful convenient. The timing is all wrong, and it it just seems like there were a lot of warning signs there that were that were very visible to anybody that were that was paying attention, and and a lot of pieces of the story that I've seen so far, and the, this is coming from multiple different outlets that are they're all intersecting. Now they could be an echo chamber, but I really don't think that it is when I'm seeing certain aspects coming from Twitter. I'm seeing certain aspects coming from um, mainstream media. I'm seeing certain aspects that are coming from alternative media, and they're all saying the same things from different sources. Uh, it just really seems suspect to me that the the timing is all wrong. It's real suspicious, and it is taking away from all these other things that, that are part of the narrative that has gone awry that they can't control. And all of a sudden, you know, Hey, we, we, we gotta have a bait and switch here and Hey guys, pay attention to this. Um, when, when their policy failures are so blatant and in everybody's face, what say y'all? Uh, I'd like to go first. Um, I posted on AP about uh, Liberty ships and shipbuilding. Um, and I, I still want to focus on, you know, if we are a serious country, you know, we currently only have like, what, 90, 95 seaworthy merchant ships. And we had like 6,000 at one point in time. Um, we, I mean... We're we're just not serious, you know. Uh and so I, I think, yeah, I, I think, you know, there's a lot going on in the Middle East and then all of a sudden there's a bunch of shootings going on and it there's you know, all of a sudden it's like a regular white guy is now in the news. Yeah, I, I think I mean he checks. Here's my problem, right? So this comes at a time where the Biden administration has foreign policy defeat after foreign, uh, foreign policy defeat. He's just losing. Like, right, Middle East, the whole thing about um, the redaction of the article about, oh, we talked about this in the digital version, but the print version came out, whatever. I think that this is them trying to distract from the foreign failures and trying to direct things into what they think people care about right now. The problem is they ran whatever they were doing here into the storyline of Hamas in Israel and us seeing what happens when people are not armed. And so I think that they tried to run an op and it just didn't work. If you remember, I mean, the story last night was like 
22 dead, 18 wound, uh, 80 wounded. And then it came to like, eight, I think 18 dead, 20 wounded, right? Very tragic. Not downgrading that at all. But the initial story was very scary. And why? I think, Scout, you touched on it with Mike Johnson and how they see it's going with the Congress how they see it going with a lot of the legal challenges in blue states and red states. And I think they felt like this was a play. I mean, he checks every box. I mean, come on. There's no way this guy checks every box. And it's just very convenient to fit the narrative. I just, I just don't buy it. I just don't point something out. They're also struggling with containing whatever happened in Detroit with the synagogue leader. Now, they're trying their very best to cover up that it was most likely based on the fact that she was a synagogue leader and she was killed by the most uh, common people in yeah. this area. Yeah. Right? So, uh, what better uh, way, What better way to do that than to have a sh- Well, the, yeah, and and again, I am going to pull up the uh the story of the Jewish family that was held hostage. Yeah. In their home. Yeah, with the knife, right? Yeah. So we we had the story. A lot of people saw this on Twitter yesterday. The the uh the students and the student union, uh the college, what was it, Coolidge College? which university was it? It was in New York. Yeah, I I, I think you're right, but give me thirty seconds, hold on. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, the the they they couldn't leave the it was a library or the student union or student commons whatever it was cooper 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 college that's it cooper um they couldn't leave because they were being threatened outside and, and of course the the college police campus police aren't going to do anything because they answer directly to the dean they you know the dean's not going to do anything that's that's going to jeopardize anything it's just you know anybody's familiar with academia knows how that works um you know so it, it, you you know they and then the colleges know, have a serious problem right now like this is big i'm not on a college campus but they spent like five years calling basically any trump supporter a nazi and right. they were straight faced and straight laced the whole time about it well, red laces yeah. by the way um yeah. And uh, yeah, Scout, you know, and I know Joe, you know, and Madman, if he were here, he knew and Joe knows and everybody know. And uh, yep. <laughs> and now it's like, uh, <laughs> man, well, what a mess, dude. Well, well, what a mess. Well, it's, so what, what's occurring here is the militant left is latching on to any any group target that they see right that satisfies their end goal and that's that's what this is and that's what i've been saying the whole time is is that israel represents a metaphor for the west the west in totes and that's why i keep coming back to it doesn't matter how you feel about it personally individually it doesn't matter if you you know you're one of these people that you know well um because 
the truth is, is, is there's a lot of criticisms that can be hurled towards Israeli government. There's a lot of certainly a lot of criticism and blame that could be pointed at the very, very liberal Jewish establishment here in the United States that there are certain things that you can notice about in, in certain industries financial influence, entertainment industry that has been peddling certain narratives. And you can say, well, you know, and, and hey, it is what it is, right? Again, drinking game, everybody take a drink. But uh, so the State Department approves all visas. And right. and um, that comes that comes from NGOs, by the way, that comes from NGOs. Okay, so the, the, and it's a highly uh, like Kissinger influenced state. It is. it is. Um, it is. And, ev you know, every single person gets signed stamp and stamped, you know, before they enter in and they do right. the song and dance and the jig and say they answer the questionnaires. And if they catch a lion, you know, you're right. pretty much not going to be a citizen. But, you know, if you can song and dance it, I mean, you're GTG. Right. Um and you know if you if you have like a above room temperature iq you can probably song and dance it um yeah. unless you're on a certain type of visa where it's like you come here and yeah you can go to school for a little bit but you're definitely leaving um uh there's there's lots of different types of visas for those that aren't aware we get a lot of it in baltimore and northern virginia and, but and my, it, my point though go ahead I yeah a larger point that i want to make though before we get too far away from it is, is that a lot of people misplace that and they, they get wrapped up in the minutia of that. And, th and that's a reality, right? And previously when people would point these things out, when they would say, Hey, this, this is a thing, right? This, this is a thing right here. And you would have a lot of groups like the ADL, right? The anti-defamation league that would say, Oh, well, if you, you point these things out, you're an anti-Semite, right? I mean, we saw that just, just seven, eight months ago. Right, the whole debacle with with uh, Kanye West and everything, right? Which that guy's an idiot, you know. Whatever, I I've, I never really cared for him, and and that last stunt was what it was, man. So there were big student right. riots in Poland, I believe, in 1972, uh, when what, Poland was a communist what, country. Let me make my point, though. Me, oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it, it, anyway. But the point, like what the the larger point to be made here is, is that that all all of these things are coming home, right? All the stuff is coming home. All the stuff is coming to fruition, and you can't just run out and and blame group targets, man. Because I know I know a lot of Jewish folks who are who are super cool. I know a lot of dudes who who are Jews are super based. You know, and, and, and Israelis, the, the genuine Israelis that I know, right. And I know I've met several, I've had the, the awesome privilege to meet several. They, you know, good folks, right. Good folks. Now, what I will say is though, the other side of that coin is, is that they do something that I wish Americans did. They look after their own, man. They look after their own people. I wish that Americans did that, but we don't. We're so tied up into this, this identitarian nonsense, 
right? That, that we don't we we don't see the forest for the trees of hey that guy is an American unless we're pushed in that direction. We got to be pushed in that direction. But um, you know it it's it's just one of those things. And but the, the dangerous time that we're we're entering now though is that we're beginning to identify group targets. And I'm telling you, if you're one of those people that's sitting on the sidelines and saying, well, you know, I, I mean, they, they're going after, they're going after the, like, all right, so easy target here. Reality is what it is. Most of the Jewish community in New York City, very liberal. All right. Very, very liberal. That's, that's a fact. All right. It's a documented fact. They're very, very liberal. And so it's easy for a lot of conservatives to step back and say, well, you know, man, maybe they might change their mind after seeing this. Well, they're probably not. All right. Inside of Israel, they have these problems, too, by the way. Yeah. Um, and, and I've pointed that out in the past that, you know, there's kibbutzes that were attacked. A lot of those places were inhabited by a lot of your secular Jewish community that are very, very liberal members of the Communist International inside the United States. And then they, you know, they, they inhabit that part of Israel and they, they feel like they're citizens of the world. Right. And they've, it's, it, it is what it is. There you go. Drink again. Right. Um, but I'm telling you though, if, if you're on the sidelines of this stuff and, and you're one of those people that says, well, you know, man, all right, I'm telling you, Today it is them that that the militant left will point their finger at. Tomorrow it's going to be you. Well, you know, I'm telling you, that's coming. I've been so, you know, growing up, you know, I was born in 90. Growing up, the, the whole thing was like, how could how could history repeat itself ever? And when you watch and see the dehumanization going on and just like these brain dead students who are doing X and chanting these things and don't know what they mean, it, I literally, I think I, I, I either on Twitter or something, or I might have remarked to a coworker today, I said, this is how it happens. It just, it's almost like, we always talk about history repeating itself. It doesn't repeat itself. It just rhymes. But it's it's so incredible that some of the actions that we're seeing that are currently acceptable from our current ruling class, quote unquote, you just look at just shake your head like I never would have thought this. I just this is like I like you. you I think all of us have plans for what the the, the in our wheelhouse. Worst case, best case scenario for a variety of reasons. I don't think this scenario ever popped up in my head of what we're experiencing now in terms of political attitudes and the way that certain factions are aligning themselves. I I don't, I mean, I, I like to say I was, oh, you know, I was, oh, I'm the president and I figured out what was going on. I've never, I, I could not have predicted. Yeah. You know, last night when I, I saw what was happening, so Cooper Cooper College, right? When I saw what was happening there, the first thought that popped in my head was, that's not America, man. That's not America. 
That's not that's not yes, what we said. It's it's not. Yes, well, yes, he, and oh, I hear you. I hear now. Yes, Ian Berlin game. Can you hear me now? Oh my god, I can he hear lives. you. Now. Lima, Lima Charlie, Charlie, buddy. We got the last one, baby. Yeah. Uh, fucking Thanks, they hate Korean. Like it wouldn't work on Samsung. I finally got my fucking iPad, which I haven't charged in like seven years. Hey, let's go, so, baby. Yeah. So give me a second, because I haven't uh, uh, forgive me. Um Clauswitz, little over 150, 200 years ago, forgive me, I can't remember exactly. Clauswitz said something that was very profound. And it rang true when I was 15, 16. I had to read him in prep school, but not as much as many decades later. Clauswitz said, and I paraphrase, of course, because I don't speak German anymore. Um, basically, what Clauswitz said is that the end result of civil society is total and absolute violence. Why would he say that? And warfare is what he meant, right? That it's unrestrained, violent warfare. When the only means by which to express truth becomes violence, because language has been so corrupted, that's the ultimate result of a civil society. At some point, all the factions have corrupted all of the meanings and all the definitions and all the descriptors to such a degree that the only way to get back the base reality, which is necessary to negotiate talk together, is bloodshed. That that is the reason why reason I wanted you on here, EM, because that pearl of wisdom right there. I mean, he's, it's he's where we are. It's where we are. Now, it works out timing wise differently in different linguistic cultures, civilizations, because civilizations are based off of language, right? The linguistic constructs in the English speaking world, going back to 44 AD and maybe even earlier, but there wasn't really an English speaking world before that. But in the English speaking world, every roughly 400 years we go through this bloodshed and in the english-speaking world unlike continental europe and the middle east and the far east we turn on ourselves and have a bloody civil war out of which comes a new balance of power between the bureaucratic state the priests the oligarchy slash nobility and the people and it's happened literally like clockwork clockwork excuse me every 400 years going back to the invasion of the romans in 44 a.d yeah no i mean and, and um. we're certainly uh i think we're rapidly reaching the conclusion of our civilized society, quote unquote. Correct. Uh, the force, the force civility. We're, we're coming to the end of force civility. Right. Because on and the other side of violence, right, like when there's the duel, there is civility. But that civility is real civility. It's genuine civility. It's not 
malevolence masquerading as uh, compassion. So in a society where violence is a norm, you wind up with actual legitimate civility. That's an interesting problem. Look at criminals. Look at the gangs. Yeah. Right? Look at the warlords that we work with around the world, et cetera. Those people, like the Pashtuns, (laughs) they had real, real codes of civility based off of, if you cross that line, I have the right to try to kill you. Right. Yeah. And, and, and you, every, when, when everybody recognizes that, that's like, you know, we were talking about the podcast, the, the latest one that you and I did, we were talking about HLA heart and the rule of recognition. Oh yeah. yeah. There's no better explanation of the rule of recognition than, and you better fucking recognize that if you do that shit, this is what's going to happen. Yes. The other part actually is more powerful. The other part of it is that status hierarchies are real. They're organic. They're immutable. And when the threat of real violence and a code of civility slash chivalry is in place, status, uh, organic status hierarchies assert themselves. Because people that are not as capable of violence realize, okay, well, I'm not at that level. I'm at this lower level. And it isn't a tyrant thing or a tyranny thing because tyrants uh, get torn down by their own people over and over and over and over again. Yeah. That's a trope, right? That, that the whole concept of a tyrant is, is a trope. You can watch that in animal you know, all social animal species, et cetera. The alpha is never a tyrant. He's also never a fucking pussy, but he's never a tyrant. Right. So the colleges, uh, (laughs) they lost the magic word no, and now they are where they are, and fuck them. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not following. I'm not following. Well, I, I, I had a, uh, I didn't, college was pretty uncomfortable. I, the, it, I was in a university during the Trump administration and it was pretty much nonstop fuck common sense, topsy turvy, um, from start to finish. In fact, the day of introduction, was like, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Zers, Zims, transgenders, uh, intersex, trans queers, you know, bisexuals. They just kept going on and on and on and on. And I was like, Basically, oh my god, you're kidding! All of your and so now we're here where we are, and I don't care. <laughs> all the identities that you use, and you know, <laughs> no, sir. Well, think about uh, think about historically before World War II, really, who went to university where you are elites, and in that period of time, started to change after World War One, 
But at that time, your elite did military or some other form of, of real hardship service. It wasn't just money alone and pedigree, you know, education, et cetera, pedigree that allowed you to be considered an elite. And it didn't even matter which family you were born to, because if you didn't go out and earn your own manhood uh, as a member of that family, you were considered the, the lesser son or daughter of that family and were not afforded the rights and privileges and uh, title, I guess, of uh, a bit nobility. And this is a big yeah. push that, you know, this is you know, really the focus of every... Uh, mm -hmm. yeah, go ahead. Another change they've made is they've removed, as you were saying, uh, they've also removed the regiment um, from university or academia. You used to have to participate in a physical sport, uh, yeah. an aggressive one, actually. Yeah. Uh, the more aggressive, yeah. the better. Uh, yeah. Wrestling, um, you know, any of the martial yeah. arts, of course. Fencing, of course. Yeah. Um, uh, horsemanship, uh, like fox hunting. Um, there's fox hunting trophies at yeah. clubs in Maryland um, from the universities. But uh, um, they also would do, um, uh, you had to play a, a sport, baseball, all of them. Um, that's gone now and and so now you can die well this what i'm what i'm saying is something more than that no uh, and it's I'm true saying, but uh that that was yeah, i yeah, mean yeah, they've yeah. removed a lot i'm i'm yeah, so they've gone even saying. more to remove even more but you know up through so i'm i'm british uh both sides my mother's a wallace a scottish wallace uh and my father's probably a leinster but my mother's not well she's holding that close to her chest shall she shall we say um up through world war one it didn't matter if you were born to a noble family you still had to go out and do now there wasn't formal manhood rituals but if you were a man you still had to go out and do some form of a manhood ritual you know a, a mentally psychologically emotionally and physically ball busting fucking manhood ritual if you were going to be respected amongst your noble peers. America used to somewhat have that in its old families, um, you know, Teddy Roosevelt and that type of thing. But when the merchant class, the industrialists and bankers took over society post-World War One, these are your, you know, not, not a single one of which has ever gone and done a manhood ritual Ever, um, they made sure to that they did away with all of that. That these types of things were not only not sought after if you went ahead and did some kind of personal quest, manhood ritual, and women have their own as well. But manhood ritual, etc., then somehow you were uh, you were as low as the trade. And I, I put a tweet up about this um, a couple of weeks ago, I think, uh, uh, The Art of Being a Man series I'm doing. But manhood rituals are coming back. And they're not the traditional ones because those have been destroyed with the whole woke thing, et cetera. But they're coming back. Mm -hmm. 100%, man. We're, we're seeing that with the – I know you saw it. That yeah. stupid fucking – 
seer wannabe shit where like the guy was was wanting him to get in the troughs with the water and the one dude mouths back. Yeah. 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 And it turns out like yeah. those those cats are paying eighteen grand for that shit. Correct. Because because they think they could there's an instinct in them to do a manhood ritual. Unfortunately, because we've become a merchant society in the 20th century into this 21st, they don't understand that your manhood ritual is not something you can buy. Right. And it's individualized too, by the way, right? In yeah. our English speaking world, your manhood ritual is something unique to you and your circumstances. And Ian, if, if, so if I may ask a question, it's not always yeah. in one specific situation. Sometimes it is across several, right? You might not get that that validation in one situation, but it might Correct. take two Correct. or three to get. Or, or actually it might take a decade of actions Correct. and yes. activities across the, and that, that is it's just a great question and a great observation. It's really, again, determined by the individual and the where you fit in an organic status hierarchy. And the higher you fit in a natural organic status hierarchy, the harder, longer duration, more intense um, manhood ritual you have to go through. And this is like in Greek mythology, you know, Jason and the Argonauts. What was that? Well, he was a prince. And so his manhood ritual was something that, you know, as a potential future king, was something that had to be, and, you know, uh, Hercules, et cetera, who was a demigod, their manhood rituals had to be something equal of their position in the organic status hierarchy. And it's no different now. So you're absolutely right. For some people, it's some, it could be a single strenuous, you know, genuine no shit trial. For others, it's a series or sequence of trials. And for others, it's a period of a decade, maybe two decades of just unbelievable trials. And I think at that point, too, it's the question of how long does it take to actually make the man, right? So you can right. have to, who, to activate To activate neurological and biological circuits because that's really what it is. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it could, be, it could be that it takes... A little bit of time, and it's it's kind of a step by step process. Or yeah, there's just someone who was just born with that biological, you know it, and yeah, you can but, tell that but, from the but, beginning. Yeah, but unfortunately, uh, not unfortunately, the ones that have it do parts of their manhood ritual much earlier in life. Interesting. So they're knocking out part of that very early. Sometimes you can see it in two-year-olds, three-year-olds, five-year-olds, but they're challenging themselves in ways. 12, 12 years of age, you know, that's another 11 to 13 is another area. That's why the Jews do the um, bar mitzvah at 13. So you'll see certain kids that are of, especially of the upper class, I mean, neurobiologically upper class, they'll be going through manhood rituals in different places and different phases in their life. And then that gives them different confidence. It activates different neural, uh, neurological pathways, neural transmitter balances, biophysiological changes, etc. And so they're going through a manhood ritual, preparing to possibly be an, a, a legitimate in the animal kingdom alpha one day, 
although that might that final challenge never uh, might never come but they're going through a steady sequence of manhood tests starting very early in their life this is fascinating Ian. this is why i was so happy when i saw you pop on the podcast because this is fascinating to me i don't have any knowledge in the situation so i am i'm so happy you're here well i appreciate it. i uh, agree with you the watching hundreds of men process trauma and grow together was an interesting process to say the least and it it really was a sifter of sorts but so uh, forgive me um, i would like i don't know exactly who's speaking and i oh like, i'm johnny paratrooper uh, hi johnny I'm, okay so, and just, i kind of like to know what you mean by that because when i hear a man say trauma and men process trauma i think of fucking hippies and i get violent oh yeah no i'm <laughs> i'm i'm speaking of uh soldiers marines um what's maybe what's maybe so even pr- prisoners What's so funny to me is is I know everybody that's in here right now, mm-hmm. and I'm it, it's kind of like the puppet master role, and I'm watching each of you interact, and it's just it's it's for my own little twisted entertainment. But no, it, it, Johnny Johnny Paratrooper uh, from Third Brigade, right? Third Brigade, yes, sir. Third Brigade Combat Team, Second yeah. of the Five Hundred Fifth Paratrooper Third Infantry Brigade. Regiment. Gotcha. Yes, sir. So he's he's certainly that's his frame of reference. What it's worth, I'm a civvy. Well, I got so, that. Uh, yeah, take that. No, no, no. Hi- hippies can uh, eat my shorts. The um, the college was soft. The man they swerve on some pretty hard topics, and it's pretty amazing to watch. How well, think about who goes who goes in. What what's that old saying about? people to go to teach what is it yeah people, those that people uh, who can't do who can't yeah. do teach you know yeah. I, I i did my doctoral studies in computational science and engineering with one of genuinely one of the smartest human beings on the planet dr Murat tanik uh in engineering but but in physics as well um i'm electrical engineer and computational engineer um he's turkish by the way and probably one third of the smartest human beings I've ever met were all Turkish. And I mean, from Turkey, Turkish people. So just keep that there. Um, he spent a good number of his years in the corporate world uh, with Collins Radio um, uh, and then went in the academic path. It was very interesting conversations with him because he had grown up in Turkey. He didn't leave there until he was in his late 30s. Um, while you would look at him and talk with him as an academic and he had learned to adapt himself to that environment so as to not get, you know, so as to maintain his tenure, tenor, tenure, tenure, right? At the same time, if you really knew how to talk to him, you could see there was a man inside of there that was hard as fucking hell, right? Hard as a rock. We don't for most American born and educated educators, they don't have that. They don't have that early testing of life and death and starvation and hunger and having to actually fucking compete, et cetera. 
That's why I think the, the university system is done. And here, here's why I think the real problem is. The real problem is, <clears throat> is that what happens when you open up university <clears throat> by lowering standards dramatically, uh, entrance standards, and making monies available for almost everybody? You put the dumb and marginally smart people next to the few ludicrously smart people on earth. And what happens? You don't actually help the people who are the dumb and marginally intelligent people improve. You make them feel horrible about themselves because they realize there are people out there in the world who are orders of magnitude smarter than they are. And they'll never get there. So what do they do? They create artificial realities. They find ways to peg down and uh, psychological warfare hamstring the really smart and strong people. Which is exactly and how do they do way. that? Which is exactly what they do. Yeah. But how do they do that? They do it by heavy emphasis on the neurolinguistic um I wouldn't say neurolinguist, excuse me, on the linguistic skill sets, right? The ability to put together sophisticated and like Jean-Paul Sartre and everybody since, complex but ludicrous fucking sentences. And then look at that ability to put together grammatically correct, complex sentences that, that appear to express reality and complex things, but truthfully are just ludicrously, uh, ludicrous strings of um, empty symbols. And this is what's happened with the education system is we've, you know, 95% of the people have been educated since, 19, since the 1940s, when we lower, started lowering the standards of bringing everybody in is, low intelligence to marginal intelligence who's been trained and educated on linguistic skills and gotten good grades and um, gone to graduate school, etc., for their ability to string together a sophisticated sentence alone. Not intellectual capacity. Because we've mistaken over the last, steadily over the last 70 plus years, and this really goes back to the late 1800s here in the US particularly, and then after World War I in the UK, we have allowed ourselves to fall for the lie that the linguistic skills equate intelligence, and they don't. Uh, linguistic skills, both um, uh, spoken, written, and read language and mathematics, right? Because mathematics is another linguistic skill. Yes. Yes, they do. So, not not to shift gears at all, because uh, this is this is extremely important. This is one of those things. It, it's getting into a conversation. It's who your enemy is? It's who your enemy is, right? Your enemy thinks that the ability to string a sentence together or a complex sentence makes them intelligent. Right. Yeah, sorry. Well, it, and this, this is a wonderful conversation. It, this, in fact, by the way, folks, 
uh, EM and I, the very first conversation that we had together was this conversation along these lines. And uh, you, you blew my mind with the very conversation that you guys are having right now. But we do need to shift gears just ever so slightly uh, because, Joe, you put something up in, in the chat. Uh, Dolly, are you still in here? Okay, you, you're still in yeah, here. Yeah, I'm so here. You, you put something up in the chat earlier, um, and it just came across my desk here. I saw where, where you had said it. I was paying attention to the, the conversation we were having. It's awesome discourse. And we we apparently have carried out some strikes in Syria. We do. Yeah, we apparently hit Iranian proxies hitting things we like didn't. Hezbollah. Israel did. We didn't. Okay, well, the story it. is that U.S. fighter planes carried it out. So, yeah. sorry, I didn't write the story. I'm just telling you what it says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, think about that. Who, I did. What are the two Middle East? No, no. <laughs> Excuse me a second. Maybe I shouldn't have said that that way. What are the two Middle Eastern peoples that have embarrassed the U.S. and U.S. and U.K. intelligence and uh, military folks going back to the 1970s? And I mean embarrassed by being quite capable and not being able to be taken down through sanctions and proxy wars, etc. Two countries. Syria is one. Iran's the other. Yep. So a generation that's now aging out in their 70s and 80s and has all the power and has unfinished business, what are the two peoples, the two nations that they have to take out? And they don't care how they do it, by the way, even if it starts a world, uh, you know, a global holy war, et cetera. Right. Exactly. And we have to also remember that Iran is Persia. And most of these people who are in positions of power went to liberal arts schools and grew up on the classics. And at the heart of Greek classics in particular is the conflict between the Greeks and the Persians. This is the great East-West conflict that's fueled Western civilization for 3,800 years. These people believe that stuff, that yeah. Persia is the great enemy. So I'll say this. Uh, right now, what I'm seeing is reported is that it was not a proxy attack that the u.s military forces conducted self-defense strikes on two facilities in eastern syria used by the irgc and affiliated groups these precision self-defense strikes are a response to a series of ongoing and mercilessly unsuccessful attacks against u.s personnel in iraq and syria by iranian-backed militia groups that began on october 17th so the quote is, the United States will not tolerate such attacks and will defend itself, its personnel, and its interests. The United States does not seek conflict and has no intention nor desire to engage in further hostilities. But these Iranian-backed attacks against U.S. forces are unacceptable. 
and must stop. <laughs> sure we don't. Sure we don't. Oh, Forgive me. I, I was thinking that, that is the official statement, and my guess yeah, is no, 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 no. Means- Absolutely yeah. true. So, forgive me. I was thinking of the Israeli strikes on airfields in Syria two days ago. If we didn't seek so, conflict, we wouldn't have launched the strikes. Correct. Well, so no, we've been embarrassed. Assad beat us. Assad <laughs> won. He beat us. His people beat us. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did, so I was married to a person like the people who are in control in the West, and I went through that divorce, and I had my life ruined by it, and I had to rebuild, etc. So, and that's why I wrote, wrote the Eternal War, right? These people think in a certain way, and you cannot stand up to them. And if you win, and and you know if you prevail in any form or fashion. The only thing they care about is your destruction. And they don't actually even think at all that it might destroy them too. They don't even think that way. It's like I I live, well, I've moved away just the last week, but I'm from San Francisco, uh, California, my much beloved home. And I'm going to tell you quite honestly, everybody's talking about all the stuff that's going on. Well, the people are the, the money people who are backing things and the people who are sitting in the positions of authority, etc. don't actually even see the chaos. They don't even see it, even though they walk by it every day because of what's going on, the chaos and noise in their own mind, the vindictiveness, the resentment, etc. in their own mind. They don't they don't see it. The inhumanity that you know that, that motivates them they, they can't see it. it it's like having a crack in a really good pair of sunglasses and you, you have mm. a little chip in the lens it's there and you see yeah. it in the beginning and it infuriates you because it, that's it's a really good pair of sunglasses man it's favorite sunglasses all of a sudden you get a little, little chip in the lens but eventually the exclusionary factor starts to kick in. You don't see it anymore. You don't notice it anymore. You normalize it. Your brain normalizes it. Well, it's it's always going to be there. You make your peace with it. That's exactly what's well, going I'm, on. I'm going to tell you honestly, they don't see it. They, they literally walk right past it. And it's not, I, I respect um, your analogy because that does hold true for sane people who can't change a thing, <laughs> right? Same people yeah, who can't yeah. change a thing go, okay, well, that's the way it is. And then you learn how to filter it out. Before the insane, they don't even see the chaos. They don't see it because of all the noise in their in their own self, in their own minds, etc. That's true. That's true. Well, speaking to something that you were talking about uh, just a bit ago of, of the the – cataclysm between the east and the west this is something that um uh others have have covered in in certain ways um h john pool who i know you're familiar with and, and longtime listeners are, are familiar with uh major h john pool probably i would say one of the most influential thinkers in small unit tactics today uh, wrote the the last hundred yards. Wrote Phantom Soldier, which I think is is most uh, important and relevant to this conversation. 
Um, wrote Dragon Days, which should be a must read. The the, the Tiger's Way, which is a must read. Uh, last hundred yards, by the way, has been on the Marine Corps Commandant's uh, uh, mandatory reading list, professional development reading list for forever now uh and it is still on there uh patriot man in the comments say tequila junction yeah that, that's an important read as well to understand get a better uh bigger picture of what's going on in central america and the chinese influence uh there and he wrote all these well over a decade ago uh so it, it, it's it's critically important and, and it's written from a, a small unit practitioner's role um, whether that is uh, mobile warfare on the conventional side or unconventional warfare. And, and so that's which which are two different things, by the way, uh, for those of you that don't know. But anyway, the point is wh- where I'm going with this is. Um, there was a video that was done and I watched it in its entirety, and it was about a two hour long video that was on YouTube and it was done probably a decade ago. I know it was about a decade ago when I watched it and, and it was a little old even then, but it had some very important thinkers in it from Russia, from Iran, from Turkey, from Greece, ironically, uh from armenia and they they were clerical leaders who are sitting down together but one thing that that's lost in the united states specifically the united we could say western europe we could lump that in with it uh but 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 the united states specifically we're a very secular society and we have removed ourselves from the role that religion plays in social order and again, this, this is one of those things that it doesn't matter how you feel about it specifically that, you know, this was one of the things I was thinking about in the truck when I was I was uh, moving back and forth doing the things I was doing today. Um, you you become thus like like there's a reason that that Germans are traditionally Lutheran. There's a reason that Greeks are traditionally Greek Orthodox armenian orthodox right there's a reason that these you know the uh iranians are shia right israelis are jewish there is there's a reason because the the church serves that function that we're talking about earlier in the show of providing that pathway to manhood and womanhood uh also right that that provides both the patriarchy and and the matriarchy and and it creates that there, there's a social order that goes along with that 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 is is required to be a participant in society you're part of it it's it's a shared experience um but they were having this very interesting conversation and so you had leaders of the russian orthodoxy uh the um uh Turkish Islamic Church, the of course, uh, the Patriarch of Constantinople, as well um, the leader of the the uh, Patriarch of the Armenian Orthodox Church, and uh, one of the major clerics from Iran, were all sitting down together, and they were having this conversation about the the 
essentially biblical prophecies. It was very, it, it was a very fascinating conversation to listen to, not necessarily from a religiosity standpoint or a dogmatic standpoint, but one just to listen to. It was very eye-opening for me because coming from you know my paradigm in the Middle East, right, and in Afghanistan, where I'm literally there to do business, and I'm doing business on part of a very uh, secular society. And even though I'm a religious person myself, I don't view that as, as a requirement to be a participant in American society because we don't feel that way by and large. And so it was very fascinating to me to hear this conversation that was happening between people that I thought in my head that I was assuming would be diametrically opposed to one another. And yet all of a sudden they're sitting down They're They're having a filmed conference where they're discussing things and in a religious and a social context that I had never heard before. And, and it was very, very fascinating to listen to this. And they were talking about, you know, EM, something that, that we discussed on the last podcast that w- what uh, I briefly described w- with, with the uh, Xi Jinping's comment about the brief moment in time, this, this was a very uh, analogous statement to that where they, they were talking about the West. The West are like the sands on a beach. It comes and goes. That, that society will come and go and that it, it will, we, you know, our perspective is so much older and longer. And it, and it was, again, it, it's been a yeah, decade. It, it's been a to, decade. To, to the conversation you and I had. Right. Sunday, I think it was, right? The yes. issue is this. <clears throat> the issue is this. As you, first off, I don't believe and I'll say for myself, I'm no Christian. I went to Catholic uh, Jesuit schools, actually, um, most of my life, except the last two years of uh, uh, high school. Um, the West is not a secular people. There are no secular people except communists. And they're anti-humanists. The problem that the West has today is that Christianity went through some pretty horrible periods of time and kind of like the Inquisition, the 160 years of um, wars between the Protestants and the Catholics, right? Christianity helped shape uh, since Constantine helped shape, so it's Roman Christianity, right? Roman system under the guise of a religion, etc. Helped shape the Western, you know, helped shape Western civilization. But Western civilization, and then it discredited itself, you know, starting in the 1600s or well, even earlier than that in some places, etc. And it lost some value. But the issue is this: is that Western civilization is actually far older than Christianity. And Christianity under the Catholic Church and even under the Protestant churches tried and still tries very hard to deny us in the West 
the full scope of our heritage because they don't want us to remember or connect with any of our heritage that predates Christian, you know, the Christian Europe. But it's very important. You know, I'm again, I'm British, uh, Scottish and uh, English, but both sides of my family are Scandinavian, Norman. You know, because in 1066, you know, Prince William, Duke William said, that's a lovely island spot. We'd like to take it. So we went and took it. But we're Scandinavians before that. I know, by the way, there was a lot of Scandinavians in in England, uh, in Scotland, in Ireland at the time. So the point is this. It is not that we are a secular people. We are not. It is not that we are necessarily a Christian people. We are not all. It is that we have tens of thousands of years of history that predates the Christian world in Europe. And we need to remember that. And some of that's Greek mythology, some of that's Scandinavian mythology, which are basically the same. You can study the DNA patterns and paths, etc. A lot of it is Slavic, right? Because all of us that are pale skin come from some, you know, our ancient ancestors come from Central Asia. So we are not necessarily a secular people, but we are a people of many different spiritual, uh, metaphysical, physical beliefs. And the unifying force of the Roman, the latter Roman Empire that was introduced by Constantine, that part has been mostly stripped away. It's not completely gone, and I don't think it should be. I think there was, you know, genuine contributions of Christianity itself. But if we as Western civilization peoples are going to restart Western civilization, which is required, it is not a return to Christianity uh, per se, but a return to the ancient belief systems of our European ancestors, which is going to be different for different people from different ancestors, etc. But we have to realize that there was Europeans for thousands of years before Christianity came along, and we have to reconnect with all of that. That's what Xi Ping was saying, right? But the Chinese, and you can again, you can do the DNA studies in the Yellow River or um, uh, Yellow River Valley, etc. They have fifty-five thousand years of contiguous history. Why? Because they never looked at themselves as a religious people and delineated, well, we we're only civilized under this religion. They're like, no, we've been Chinese for. 55,000 some odd years. Those wisdoms pass through, depending on what, it doesn't matter what religion comes along, what political system comes along, etc. So as long as people of Western civilization think that the, the core of Western civilization is the post-Constantine Christian world, then Xi Ping and, and others are correct. But it's not true. We go back much farther than that. 
Yeah. I mean, it, I certainly don't disagree with that. Uh, it, with regard to the, the longevity of, of uh, the history of, of civilization, uh, for sure. But um, I don't know, guys, rebuttals? Patriot man. Hey, sorry. I was, uh, I was a poor myself, a glass of quiet man when you asked that. Uh, no, and this is exactly why I was excited to have EM on, on the, uh, the podcast. When I saw his name pop up, it's exactly this in-depth analysis, right? Like I know a little bit about a lot of stuff, but I here in the in-depth analysis that he brings, it, it, sitting here listening to it, I'm not sitting here listening going, oh, he's just blowing smoke up our ass, right? Obviously, he knows what he's talking about, and it tracks with what I know about, you know, certain things in history and, and, and the way everything plays out. And I think it's absolutely right. I think that, that the, the future, I think it's very easy to say that the future that, that everyone right now wants to say is that we're going to get back to this, to this thought process and this point in time. And I don't think that that's necessarily the answer to it. And I think that's what EM, and, and I might be wrong with this, and EM, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's I'm trying to paraphrase here where it's not that per se, but it's, it's, it's almost to not an ideology, but a thought process to a, to a, to a consciousness that here is, here is kind of the, the natural progression of things over time. You've laid that out and kind of, we know where things are trending right now, but here's where things could be depending on, on, you know, changes we make and, and, and alterations in the conversation and whatnot. So I, I think that this is why I wanted him on. And this is why I was excited that he was on. Um, and I think that his depth of knowledge is something that this is what we have needed on SOL. And I'll leave it at that. I, I think that this is like, I can't comment on anything topic related because I just don't know. I mean, he obviously knows way more than I do. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend to try to BS my way through an answer. Um, I, I think that this, this yeah, whole. <laughs> No, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, so, so, so I, I'm sitting here in all honesty, I'm sitting here as listening, like most of, of, of the radio contra listeners are right. And I'm sitting here. I feel like I'm sitting there Indian style. I'm sorry. You can't say Indian style, crisscross applesauce, but Indian style, listening to a storyteller, tell the story of things that I don't know about and hearing the story come out and with my knowledge of what I know about things. I'm like, Oh, well that tracks that tracks. All right. That makes sense. That makes sense. And so I, I don't really have a comment on, on the substance because I don't know, but I'll tell you what, it makes a lot of damn sense. What he's saying. Yeah. The best thing about EM is he makes the rest of us feel dumb, but he says the no, things I, that no, I was, I was, no, he says the things that we can't we can't elaborate on as no. well. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm more than happy to admit that I was listening or listening just as much as the rest of the readership being like, oh, I'm learning. Like, 
So it's hard but, for me to comment me, on it, but I mean, me, just given me, my, my frame of reference, I, I mean, it, it tracks with what I thought. Bro, take a breath. Let me jump in there, okay? So that, that gets right to it, okay? That gets right to it. So let me articulate something that Matt and I talked about, I think, in our first uh, podcast. Uh, and this gets back to something I was saying earlier about university and linguistic skills, et cetera, right? There is a vast number of people because they didn't go to certain universities and don't have certain degrees and haven't been published in certain periodicals or picked up by certain publishers that they think that they are far less intelligent than they actually are. And I'll use an example I think we all we all know, right? And that's the movie Gladiator. Maximus was from a remote part of Iberia, right? Modern day Spain, in the northern part of Spain. And he considered himself a farmer and a simple man because he was connected very much to the earth and it's what made him a brilliant general. The truth of the matter is, is that Maximus was more intelligent than the emperor who had all the right pedigree and had done all, had all the right, you know, had, as an example, um, Aristotle as his teacher, et cetera, right? Not, by the way, not to pick on uh, Alexander the Great because he was a truly great leader. But the point is, is this, we used to know when we had formal nobility and aristocracy that it was the landed gentry and their people who were the true power and intelligence of the empire, of the kingdom and the empire. And we've lost that. And we've seeded our own intelligence, our own belief and confidence in our intelligence to people who went to college and learned how to write papers. Yeah. Stop no, doing I, I agree it. A thousand percent Stop you. doing it. Right? Here's the thing. There is not there is there are some extraordinarily capable Lokis in the world. I am not one of them, by the way. Um my ex wife tried to be, but she failed. Um <laughs> that's a bit of a joke, but it's true. Um there are some few who are genuinely good deceivers. But the truth of the matter is anybody who served in actual combat and had the illusions ripped away from them over that, anybody who is close to the earth in terms of food production, whether that's plant or animal, etc., or involved in uh, building, uh, baseline building, etc. Those people who are close to the fundamental, how do we feed people? How do we house people? How do we deal with people that are trying to steal and hurt and harm people? Those are the only people that actually have base reality, knowledge, and intelligence. And everything above that 
and beyond that is a lie and an illusion. So don't underestimate yourself. Right, hundred percent, hundred percent, and and with literally a minute thirty left on the clock, uh, man, wow, what a show! Uh, that is that is literally um, all I can say, man. Em. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. And, and dude, it's an open invitation, by the way. Every, every Thursday that I am not uh, running around doing all the things. Next Thursday, I'm going to be out in Missouri. But, uh, you know, so we won't be doing a live show. But after that, man, you you were. Yeah, please, EM, yeah, man. That was awesome. Because that, that barstool knowledge, brother, it, it is. That, that's, a, that is a deep view. Uh, yours is a deep view that you bring to the table that I think everybody really sorely needs um, we have so- to we have to restore nobility and i mean landed capable aristocracy we have to go back to the old ways there were the duke of montana agrees right and uh you know i was supposed to talk earlier tonight but we missed um we have to go back to nobility we have to go back to feudalism if we don't, we wind up with an unaccountable bureaucratic feudalism, which is just slavery. But the no, and not everybody can be a noble. And let's be quite honest about that, because that requires a very broad spectrum. First off, it's organic status hierarchies. But second off, then it's what you do with the capacities you have. The second part of it, though, is, and this gets, I think, more to the uh, Matt, your community and conversations we're having is, you have to have a strong, capable knighthood. Yep. And that isn't just gun bunnies and equipped gear horse and all of that. It's, okay, we're capable of doing the hard things when they need to be done. But we also understand the seven elements of national power, diplomacy, information, military, economic, finance, intelligence, and law enforcement, at least enough to have relationships in the domains of that seven elements that we're not experts in so that we can have a pretty good idea that at least we are not be we are not doing things with our strength and capacity because we're being deceived right on anyhow gotta end it we are getting ready to get the boot literally literally in here so last call for alcohol bottoms up folks it has been one hell of a ride tonight here in the virtual green dragon tavern on the air of course all of this is brought to you by brushbeater.store go over there we got all the things you need to do all the stuff anyhow god bless and i will talk to you again very very soon nc scout